0: and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 this morning, verses 10 through 14, Philippians 4, 10 through 14, God's word says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every and any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And we'll stop there. And. Uh, Please be seated. And let's ask the Lord one more time for help as we look at his word today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of worship. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And We pray that you'll help us as we uh, pay attention and interact with your scripture this morning. Thank you, God, for that promise uh, uh, that you will do that. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit's aid today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a, a question. Uh, what is your level of fear regarding this economy and the global economy and what you see? Uh, if you read the headlines, you you see big debates. Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? What is a technical definition? And, and there's a, a fight over that among some folks. Uh, On our level, I think we just know we go to the gas tank and there's $20 more than it used to be. And uh, we know the church oil costs have doubled. Um, We know that uh, things that used to be uh, uh, super sales at the store, boy, I'd I'd get my little thing and I'd look through and you could push in. And if you are like, figured out how to do this on your phone, you could get a a super sale and a, a special bargain. And those things now... For one, it's only just things like potato chips and soda and cereal and not like real food. And you do that, and, and a year ago, they cost less at a normal price. And so you see things accelerating. And uh, there's a fear that some people have. And I just wonder, what's, what's your level of fear? What's your level of looking at prices or home prices or things like that? And we realize here in a privileged place where we are, um this is maybe new for some or for some of us uh but it's what people have lived with for a long time. Where are you at regarding the finances and your approach to the finances? Uh, I was down there at the shop right chasing those little bargains around and and there was uh, there was Carly simon on the they they play the best music, you know. Uh, if they're playing I'm walking on sunshine songs like that like whoever programs it's all psychological and I load my buggy because I'm happy and everybody's singing along with Aretha Franklin and all that and we're loading our stuff and it's psychological and I know that but it still makes me happy to go down there and hear that happy music and there was Carly Simon singing and stay right here because these are the good old days these are the good old days and, and she's singing about how these are the good old days and I thought man that soup that I bought for a dollar and a half, is three and a half. These aren't the good old days. I said, maybe when she sang that song, they were the good old days. And then I remembered my parents having the same types of conversations and, and gas, and you could only buy your gas based on your license plate number and odd numbers and even numbers and all that. And they were talking about inflation then. I thought, well, you know what? These are the good old days. If you're not going to worry and if you're going to put your faith in the Lord. Otherwise, uh, these are scary days. Uh, the church in Philippi was facing uh, similar things, and Paul was facing similar things about just the money and the finances. Um, the church in Philippi had been a giving, generous church. Generosity and sharing was part of their core. And indeed, even being a Christian, that's one of of the Christian virtues that God gives. Uh, We know that uh, in the same way we we pray, forgive us as we forgive our debtors, we know that a God who gave so much to us puts a a spirit of giving uh, and asks us to be uh, giving uh, people. This church was that way. Um, But they couldn't give. They wanted to give, and we're going to get into that. And finally, they were able to give. And Paul addresses their poverty, and he addresses his own life. So this is a very, very timely part of our text this morning as we see and consider Christians and Christian contentment. What is the secret to living in a wildly fluctuating time? So there are four points this morning in the sermon. The first one will be scarcity is not uncommon. That's in verse 10. Secondly, contentment is learned. Verse 11. Third point, riches and poverty are two sides of the same coin. In verse 12. And finally, Christ is our hidden strength in verse 13. First of all, scarcity is not uncommon. Uh, Verse 10, Paul wrote to this church who he loved so much who had sent him this gift. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length, or now at last, your translation might say, that finally you've revived your concern for me. says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They wanted to give. They loved Paul. They couldn't give. The money was just not there. Like that Song I talked about uh, uh, once, a uh, group group called the Welcome Wagon from down in Brooklyn had a song called Rice and Beans, but no beans. Uh, uh, sometimes people go through things like that. Don't be surprised at that. Paul addresses a church that had a heart for giving and couldn't give. For some context on our age and the ebb and flow of history and how things rise and fall. Uh, We see economically, uh, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Frank Sinatra sang that song about riding high in April and shot down in May. Uh, You might say, I'm going to do a real good thing for my soul this week. I'm not going to watch the news at all. I'm going to rely on somebody. If something major happens, if there's something that's major, tell me so I'm not the last to know. But I'm going to leave it all alone for a week. And you might say that and try that. And then about Tuesday, you go through your withdrawal systems and you have to read something uh, like the news. I would say just read the book of Judges. Um, It's there. You want to get your fix? Boy, those people rise and fall. Uh, God sends a, a deliverer for them and bails them out. And they have peace for 40 years, and then this happens, and it's back and forth. Uh, The cycle of of poverty and riches, of security and insecurity, is nothing new. It just might be for us, uh, maybe in our historical context. I want to read an example of somebody that went from riches to rags to riches in the Bible. Job, there he was, and you read what he had and the godliness of him. And even for his kids, on their birthdays, he's out he's out offering sacrifices, praising and praying to God for his children. It seemed like he did everything right. And there you go, riches to rags to riches. Uh, that's part of life. Think of Judas Iscariot, uh, saying after that uh, costly ointment was broken and and Jesus' body was anointed, and him saying, uh, in an echo of our times, ah, that's a waste. That could have been given to the poor. And he wanted to be the administrator. He was the money bag guy. He was interested in the poor as he was interested in himself. And Jesus saying, listen, the poor you have with you always, and it's biblical, always forced to take care of the poor. But Understanding even scripture talks about poverty and riches and up and down. Um, A couple pages back in our Bibles, we read in Philippians 2 about Jesus who was rich, yet willingly became poor. And then after he was humbled, he was exalted. Uh, That's the pattern of life on this earth. In our own nation's history, just last century, We had the Roaring Twenties, followed by the Great Depression. Got the title for this sermon. My mom told me about this book, and it's a great book. It's called, We Had Everything But Money. It's an oral history. Priceless memories of the Great Depression from strong people who tell in their own words what it was like when banks closed and hearts opened. And people have just written in, and they've collected letters from that era and talked about how people went all of a sudden from money money to zero money and what they did. That's pretty funny. One thing, they, they used their coffee grounds again and again. Uh, they, they had to keep reusing them, like some of us do with tea bags, I guess, with the coffee grounds again and again. And there was a sign in our restaurant that said, Don't complain about the coffee. You may be old and weak yourself one day. <laughs> and um, they, they had a way of laughing at themselves and laughing at their times and going through. But there are times, and we know. And so, boy, sometimes you're, you're riding high. Sometimes it was like us with the six kids and, and mom and dad trying to put us through Christian school and three old clunker cars because one could drive and one couldn't, and boy, one car breaks down and, and here's dad saying, well, we know what's going to happen, don't we? And there go the next two all at once. And it just seems like that. That is life. That is what Paul described. That's what the Philippian church went through. Oh, they had, what kind of a church were they? Well, they had the Philippian jailer was there. He was making a salary. You had Lydia, the businesswoman that was there, part of the converts. They had a church, but all of a sudden, they hit a point where they wanted to give, and they couldn't. They were poor. Application for us, even as we look at this Philippian church, you might not be able to give anything more than your tithe. You might not be able to do that. We might not be able to give uh, what we want to people. Um, That does not uh, make us bad in God's sight. If you're at a time where you're facing financial difficulties, that does not make you inferior. Paul never, ever said to the Philippians, well, you should just give anyway. Uh, You should have just given. Uh, You're not as good as this other church. He said, no, I love your heart for me. And I recognize sometimes things are good, sometimes things are bad. There is no shame in being strapped for cash. Some of us wonder about our jobs. Some of us don't know what the future holds. Um, You're not an inferior person if you're looking for work. No one is. Uh, That is just part of life. There was a restaurant when we were down in Pensacola, Poe Folks. I'm Poe, but I'm proud. And we'd drink sweet tea out of mason jars, and the, the, the menu was a simple southern menu and, and decent portions, and we'd go to Poe Folks to, to eat. And it was just that was their stick, and that was their thing. They got rich off of us <laughs> uh, at, at Poe Folks because we went there a lot. But um, there's something about saying my worth and my self identity is not based on whether I'm a big, massive, blowing-it-out church or whether I've got the big promotions and I'm better than. No, Paul said, listen, I am thankful for the gift you gave me, and I know you always, your heart was there for me, and now you're able to do that. He dignified, dignified where people were at in their life financially. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Somebody said, got some good news and some bad news. What do you want first? And they're all sitting there on the couch. Here's the good news, here's the bad news. They said, well, let's give me the bad news first. Well, the bad news is the storm came knocked out the electricity, the roads are washed out, we're stuck in this house and there's nothing to eat but dog food. So, said, well, what's the good news? There's plenty of it. Okay, sorry. Sorry, that's why I hesitated. I didn't know whether to do that or not to you. But listen, there is nothing wrong, the Bible says. The Bible is filled. Look at Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, and we are chronicling All these people that God commends for their faith. And you look at some of the names. Abraham, richest man there on earth at that time. Others are poor. Others are rich. Others are poor. Finances and where you're at uh, with what you have and what's in your bank account and what your retirement and your prospects are. um, If you have something, good. God gave that to you. If you don't, good. God gave that to you. We're going to get to that. Here's the thing. Your worth is not based on what you're able to give or not, what you have or not, and that's biblical. They wanted to give. They couldn't give. They were commended for it. Going through hard times is not a sign of inferiority or a sign of God's displeasure. Man looks on the outward appearance, and God looks on the heart. So that's our first point is is that, that scarcity is not uncommon, and we all face it. Second, second point from the sermon from this text is in verse 11. Contentment is learned. Look at verse 11. Paul said, thanks for your gift, but not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Uh, we talked about this with the men's group Wednesday morning. And, and I said, what jumps out at you in this text? What, what? We, we read through Philippians, and we just talked about that. And somebody said, learned. And I thought, that's interesting that that would be the word that would jump out in all of this text. But it is learned. Our, our faith, our Christian practice, is something that we learn from experience as we go along. Paul said, I learned to be content." It wasn't just automatically given to him when the light hit him and he was blinded. and Jesus spoke to him and gave him a mission. There were things that he had to learn. There are things that we learn as we progress through life. Other things uh, in the Bible. Uh, Salvation is given to us the moment we repent and place our trust in Jesus' work. But there is a life of learning and godliness that happens. We call that practical sanctification. We get to, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a learning, and there's a graciousness that we must give to each other as we learn our different things about living for Christ. Our teacher, as we learn contentment, is the Holy Spirit, working through God's Word, working through the preaching of God's Word, working through the wisdom and Example of those who are ahead of us on the path to heaven, uh, the Holy Spirit working through conscience, we learn, uh, and the Holy Spirit working through circumstances, where we succeed and where we've failed. At this point in time when Paul was writing this, he had learned it. He didn't always know it, but at this time he was able to say, I've learned to be content. Uh, there is a learning that happens as we sit under God's word, as we read it. Later, Paul would say uh, to people, bring my coat, bring the parchments. Listen, he was just a man. His body got cold. His brain needed activity while he was in prison. He, He liked those things. But he had learned that even without those things, there was a secret of contentment. Practically for us in our Christian walk, be aware that other Christians are in the learning process as you are. You're learning. She's learning. He's learning. That child of yours is learning. That husband of yours is learning. That wife is learning. Uh, That pastor is learning. We're learning. We're learning. Give the grace as you learn to other people as they learn how to live as a Christian. Don't judge people too harshly for their humanness. God is teaching them lessons. Hadn't heard from a guy in the 30 or so years since graduating from college, but I got a, a, an email from a guy named Dave, who I used to hang around, out with in college. And he said, did you hear that Dave, and he gave his name, died? We were the three Daves. Now we're the two Daves. We were the three Daves. And, and I hadn't talked to either of these guys since college. But I remembered conversations, and I remembered late-night conversations and, and hanging out. We were the three Daves. And, and the one that got a hold of me said, Did we call you Hutch? I seem to remember Hutch. I said, Yeah, I was, I was Hutch. Uh, but we were the three Daves. And I remembered this friend, and I was telling Paula about him. And I was telling Paula about a couple of things he had said. And they weren't the most flattering things. We were young. And I went and looked, looked him up, and you know, he married some girl who was always cheerful and good, Texas girl, I remembered her. And he had some kids, he had three kids, and, and they were married. And I read what everybody wrote about him and how God had, had used him in their life and how they'll miss his laugh and everything good. And I thought, boy, um, I hope no one remembers me for words I said in college, when my guard was down, and when I was learning, people learn, people grow, God's doing things. when I was a kid, they used to there was a little christian t-shirt there in, 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 in that some people would wear, and it would say, Please be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. We want that for ourselves. Give that grace to others. Paul, even the great Paul, the missionary, St. Paul, the author of all these little books in Scripture, had to learn. We're learning. And so we look at each other that way. We live and learn. Others need to live and learn as well. So he said, thank you for your gift. You wanted to give for a long time and you couldn't. Now you did, and it really was helpful to me. Not so much even the gift, but because I've learned how to be content, but I appreciate the relationship behind the gift. And then he goes on to say something, and this this is interesting, and there may be something brand new in here for you to think about as there was for me this week. Verse 12, and, and the point is this, riches and poverty are two sides of the same coin. So he says, I've learned, but I've learned what? I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I had to learn how to abound just as much as learning to be brought low. He says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And he equates facing abundance and plenty as just as much of a challenge as facing need. And you would probably say, I I know that to be true, Pastor. When I am in need, I pray. When I'm in need, I turn to God. When I'm in need, I'm actually more inclined. If you're like me, I'm more inclined to share and be generous when I need, I can share with somebody who needs. But boy, let us get a little money in our pocket. Let us get a little status. Let us get a little something. And we forget to even pray sometimes. And when we dish out what we have, we almost want to do it publicly to show that we're better than the other people in abundance. And there's all sorts of temptations that come with abundance. Paul said, I had to learn how to be in abundance. Somebody said, Lord, thank you. Protect me from becoming rich. Listen to Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, where, where the one writing this proverb in, in Scripture said this, Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Uh, God says protect me from either of these two sides of the same corn, coin God help me to navigate being rich God help me to navigate being poor later Paul would write this to Timothy it's a few verses it's, it's, it's not too long listen to what he said toward the end of his life in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 through 10. the first verse is godliness with contentment is great gain and I told you how I worked down there in that college and they published Bibles and they had, a print, they had like six printing errors. And one of the errors was, it said, godliness with contentment is great pain. And so we had to go through with these little stickers. <laughs> that was our job. So tedious, little stickers. We had to take those little stickers and put it right over that verse in that little small print Bible. And we had to read over and over again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is what, this is what Paul said. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world Paul said, I had to learn. And what did I have to learn? I had to learn to be poor, but I had to learn to be rich. A recession can be your enemy. Economic depression can be your enemy. But a booming economy can also be your enemy. Nothing to fear, Christian. God is the one who takes care of us. He said, there's a secret I've learned the secret. What is the secret? Now, I have a side note, and this is what I learned and thought about for the first time this week. As a person who uh, repeated wedding vows myself, as a person who's done a lot of weddings in my day, uh, back the old youth pastor, you do the weddings. And we always would go through the vows in premarital counseling. And I always thought of it in terms of, okay, so... I, 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 I pledge, you know, in, in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, and I always thought or oriented myself like, if it's health, if it's joy, and if it's plenty, that's not what we need to counsel about. They'll be all right as long as there's that, but in, in life there's the other side. But you know what? Sometimes those are the things that can bust a marriage up, is when things are too good. Sometimes a little adversity can pull a husband and a wife together uh, more than the other. And in those marriage vows, it's just like what Paul said. You are tempted all the way through, and you can be tempted with good things, and, and that can be to your destruction. So he's saying, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. What is the secret? What's the secret that he's talking about? And that secret is that Christ is our hidden strength. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ or through Him who strengthens me. So, the context of this verse I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is probably the most quoted uh, Bible verse in American evangelicalism. This is on greeting cards, this is on bumper stickers, this is what we say when we're running the marathon. And we hit that wall, I can do all things through him whose strength. I can do all things through Christ, I can do all things through. Him. This is what we say when uh, the relatives come that are, are um, after three days they start smelling like a fish right and they 're there and, and all that and you say, "I can put up with these guys for god 's strength God help me to, to, to help this, to put up with these guys for one more day. Uh, this is what we say uh, in You're sitting on the airplane next to a person who doesn't use deodorant. You go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, We use this in all these contexts. And I'm not saying it's wrong to use them in those contexts, but understand the original context of I can do all things through him who strengthens me is dealing specifically with money and with life status and with plenty and in want and with contentment. That's the original, and we'll make that application today. whether you are struggling for survival or whether you are being choked to death by too many TV channels or your closet threatens to fall in on you because of all the stuff you have, there is one way and only one way you can find real lasting contentment and that's through Christ who strengthens you. You're a Christian. You're eternally saved. You're forgiven. You're an object of God's love. You're his child. God is sovereign. God loves you. Ultimately, things are just things. You've heard it said it's just a cliche, uh, but it's true. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never. I I know in the old days, maybe uh, with the American Indians, they would put a bow and arrow in for them to hunt the buffalo in the happy hunting ground. But for the most part, nobody dumps all your stuff in because you can't take it with you. Uh, What did Job say? Naked came I from my mother's womb. Naked will I return. And so as a Christian, you learn that ultimately these things are things. And your strength, your secret weapon, your secret, he says, I've learned the secret. The secret is this, him who strengthens me. What can never be taken away from you is your relationship with God through Jesus. And that's where the strengthening comes in. And you get a little older and you learn some things and you lose some things and you say, I didn't need those things. In fact, I'm better off. And and we, we develop as we get older and learn, learn about contentment. He says, that's the secret. Now, it's an open secret. It's laughed at by those who don't and won't get it. But for you, Christian, it's the source of all good and joy and comfort and contentment. And you grow in your trust of God as you learn to see him through circumstances. It's a secret. He said, that's the secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's a secret only for those who know the Lord. People laugh and mock. You say, I'm just trusting God. I'm trusting God through this. Uh, People admire sometimes. Boy, how can you have such faith through this? And we say, it's because of Jesus Christ giving me that. They go, oh. I don't quite get that. It's like in uh, Field of Dreams uh, where, where Ray Kinsella, the farmer, hears the voice. And he heard the voice. And and the voice said, if you build it, he'll come. And, and he knew he heard the voice. And he was mocked and laughed at. But he went ahead and did it because he knew it. Uh, well, I'll tell you, long before Field of Dreams, I knew an Iowa farmer named Grandpa Sorensen who got saved as a 30-year-old and who said to me when I was a kid, and he was telling me what it was like to become a Christian, and he said, he said, David, it was just like, he said, it was like a secret. He said, I knew the secret finally. I knew who God was and who Jesus was, and I knew that my farming was important, but, but it, there was more going on than that. And he said, I would try to explain it to people, my, my, my farmers, my cousins, my people out there in western Iowa, and they laughed at me. And when I saw that scene where in Field of Dreams where, where Ray walked into the feed store and started talking and the old farmers were laughing at him, I thought of Grandpa who told me that story a long time before the movie ever came out. Um, we are in on something, Christian. You have the secret that people wish they had and if they understood it, they would know it. You know the secret of contentment and that is him who strengthens you. And you can get through this because God is the one walking with you and leading you and giving you strength to do it. it sustained him we 're going to come back next week and wrap up philippians we 're going to talk about uh, more about the, the gift that they sent him and and those things and we 're going to put a, put a, uh, a lid on and a capper on a punctuation mark on Philippians. Um, But I wanted to end this part of this text just with Jesus, God in the flesh, talking about things. And I really, as I thought about this this morning, I thought about this congregation, you who I love so much, uh, and and what you may be up against or coming up against, uh, what we all uh, may be facing. We hope we don't. Uh, Wanted to encourage us all about what Jesus said about things and help us on the road to contentment. And Jesus, in his uh, early uh, famous sermon that that drew the great crowds, and and, and even after they've left, those of us who love Jesus and follow Jesus, look at God's word, and we read this. Here's what Jesus said, and then we'll go to the table. Jesus said about things. This is what Paul learned uh, about things. And Jesus had said this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. What things can you do to not get some deadly disease? And what can you do if the Lord says it's your time? Who can be anxious and even add one hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Paul said, I know the secret. I know the secret. The secret is my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I get my strength from seeing the importance of the spiritual first and the physical things then line up. Let's pray and go to the table. Lord, we thank you so much for this lesson from the Philippian church and from Paul uh, that you gave us inspired from your word, Lord, this truth. And we thank you that uh, uh, we're learning. We're learning about this. And we thank you that you'll continue to teach us to be content and to keep our eyes on what is spiritual first, or we pray that you'll help us, uh, Lord, as you uh, even let us be involved in sharing this secret and seeing the light come on in the eyes of people that we know and love, and we pray that that more and more people would get in on this, or even if it takes really, really hard times for people to say i 'm looking at the spiritual." and I'm giving up on chasing the material. Lord, help us. Thank you for this word. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and and, uh, gave us life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.